Thanks for listening to this sermon podcast for Real Life Church Pullman. We exist to help people know and become like Jesus. Okay, so we are in our last last Sunday with uh, Joshua. So we've done 10 weeks in Joshua. Have you guys gotten a little something out of Joshua? Yeah. Good, 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 good. Well, we're going to be talking about choices today. Choices and something around legacy as well. Um, when you think about reflecting your life, and maybe as you reflect on this message throughout the week or later today as you drive or eat dinner together, I want you to think about something. What are things that were passed down to you from your parents or grandparents? Maybe not just physical items that were passed down to you, but things like your favorite sports teams. I mean, I was uh, passed down a, a love for the Denver Broncos and all of the good and bad times. And all you Seahawks fans should give me a big hug for all that we've done for you over the years. Uh, My dad gave me a a mediocre golf skill. I was very thankful for my mediocre golf skill. Um, We used that this weekend in the golf tournament. Uh, One of the most important things my parents passed down to me, though, was a love for the Lord. That was something that got me through my hardest times and something they invested and cultivated through my life. And then there's also a lot of not good things that grandparents and parents pass down to us. We, we all deal with childhood traumas. Regardless of how great, you can have the perfect childhood and probably still deal with childhood traumas of some kind. We get passed down coping mechanisms from parents and grandparents. How we cope with emotion, how we deal with that, how we, most of us might suppress it rather than actually let people see it. How many of you might be in that boat? I don't, you don't have to raise your hand. You can suppress your hand. Um, but for the good and the bad, a lot of times, we, how we've learned that, how we've seen that, observed that is passed down to us. You know, our need to conform to what our parents expect of us. That was something I think every young person deals with, is how do I conform and how do I be what my parents expect me to be? Especially if, and you, if you're going into your college years, which we're approaching that soon. For many of us in this room, we do, we're going to have college kids around. And so they're kind of wrestling with this idea of, of who they are and what their parents expect of them. And I call it the umbilical cord effect, where they may grow up in the, a church and then they go off to college and then that umbilical cord's cut and they have to kind of wrestle with their own faith. What do I believe? Who am I? And you always have that parental expectation somewhere along those lines. So all of those things are, are carried down to us. We have good things, we have bad things that are carried through from our, our grandparents, our parents. And, and Pete Scazzaro I love this line. He says, Jesus may be in your heart, but grandpa is in your bones. Jesus may be in your heart, but grandpa is in your bones. And what he means by that is that we are formed. It's a part of us. How we have, what things that have been passed down to us really affect us. And we're all wrestling with things that have been passed down to us, maybe from mom, dad, grandma, grandpa. And they are dealing with their own generational things that have been passed down through the lines. So as we reflect on our upbringings, it it can be a mixed bag of emotions, joy, pains, for some greater than others, but we are all passed down things, and that's the important place I want to start, but the important thing I want to also note, and this is what we're going to talk about today, is that we can choose whether we embrace these things or refuse to carry them forward. We can choose whether we decide, hey, we are going to carry that forward to my children and their grand and my grandchildren, or it ends with us. And Israel is giving a choice, very similar in Joshua chapter 4. Israel is given a choice to carry what they learned from their forefathers, 
or choose a different path. So let's dive into it. Joshua chapter 24, 14 through 15 is going to be our main text. Let me read it here for you. It says, now therefore, and, and when we hear that, we should know there was something important before this. So Joshua had just recited everything God had done for them through the exodus, through the line of how great and wonderful and miraculous and powerful God was. So this is a reflection of all of those things and that he is now telling Israel. Joshua says, now therefore, because of those things, fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and truth. And do away with the gods which your fathers served beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt and serve the Lord. But if it is disagreeable in your sight to serve the Lord, choose for yourselves today whom you will serve. Whether the gods of your fathers served, which were beyond the Euphrates River, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are now living. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. How many of you had that, we will serve the Lord, plastered in your house somewhere growing up as kids? Yep, yep. Do you have it today? Good. Good, good. So something that Corbin hit on uh, that that was really powerful and I think that I just kind of want to build on, if you guys hadn't seen Corbin's message from last week, it it was awesome. I've cried a lot of tears watching that message. And and what he really highlighted and what I'll kind of put in my own words here is you serve what you don't let go. You serve what you don't let go. And... When you think about Israelites in the context of Joshua, I want you to get rid of that first century pharisaical Sadducee image of Israelites. These, these fundamental, real, hardcore Israelites. And I want you to replace that image in Joshua as Israelites who are probably more pagan than they were followers of, of Yahweh, of the Lord. Because you think about it, this is the first generation that had lived outside of captivity in Egypt for 400 years. Before that, they, they lived in the deserts of Canaan. And so there was this semblance and remembrance of, yeah, there was this God of Abraham who did some amazing things. But for the last 400 years, we have literally been slaves in Egypt and we lived in a desert. And now we are in this land that God gave us. So there was a lot of baggage And a lot of things from the past that these Israelites are carrying with them. And we have a lot of archaeological evidence, too, of of these Israelites who actually created statues and they would name them the Lord or Yahweh because they didn't know exactly how to relate to a God that wasn't in an idol. If you look at the story of the golden calf, for example, they bow and worshiped this golden calf, but they called him Yahweh the Lord. There were things that were passed down to them that they just didn't even recognize were things that were not what God desired for them. That's the Israelites that we're speaking of as an intergenerational group of people who had one thing passed down to one another for hundreds of years, and now Joshua was bringing them to a point and saying, look at all the things that God has done. Now it's time to choose. Do you carry on the things of the last 400 years of Egyptian gods, of gods across the Euphrates River, the Babylonian gods, the Mesopotamian gods, or do you choose to bring in and serve the Lord? And they're carrying these things. Serving in a way is also a part of carrying, has a connotation of carrying with you. So you have an Israelite group carrying a lot of baggage and false gods, things that God doesn't desire for them, things that will hinder them from serving the Lord, as we'll see in the story of Israel. 
I mean, it doesn't take long. Judges 2, everything falls apart, which is about two pages past this verse. But they're carrying with them a lot of things that will hinder them, will delay them, will be a hinder to where God wants them to be and who they are to be. And the Hebrew word for doing away or letting go is the word sur. Sur. It's this idea of throwing or looking a different direction or letting go of. And so what Joshua is saying, let go of those things that were passed down to you. Throw them out, those things that were passed down to you. Don't look at those things that were passed down to you. Put them down and take up and carry with you a service to the Lord. The Lord knew that if they continue the generations of pursuing these other gods and their nations, it would lead to them a life of hurt, broken, suffering, and death. And as we have the benefit of looking back in time, we know it's exactly what Israel would go through when they decide, hey, we are going to serve these gods and not the Lord God. The Lord knew that as long as they held up, held on to these other gods, they would never be able to see who they were meant to be. And they would have a really difficult time serving him, being with him, carrying, carrying him into their lives. Joshua was called then is to choose a different course. Choose a different course out of those things of the past that hindered their ability to live a life devoted to the Lord. To let go of the old and choose to embrace the new life with their God. And that brings us kind of to how we reflect on this passage a little bit. Which gods, lowercase g, were passed down to you? What are those things that your fathers devoted their lives to? Your grandfathers devoted their lives to that now you have to carry because that is what you saw. Our values and our worldviews can be God's. The things that we value, the things that we pass our values down to can be seen as lowercase gods. You know, in our society, value is a lot of time seen in performance, in achievements. How well you do, your value is directly tied to that. And how many of us know that we live in a culture that worships value? We value being on the top. We value being the best. We value all of those things. In fact, that's where the money is at, right? How I many you know that is not the way the kingdom of God works? But that is a false God. That God's value on us is not based on what we do, but who we were created to be. But all those values and things are passed down through us by our grandparents and parents before us, and it was probably passed down to them as well. Some of us have struggled with addiction. Because we saw it displayed before us in our fathers or grandfathers. And if you would have ran into young Kelly between 15 and 21, I was highly addicted to pornography. I struggled, but it was one of those things where I could suppress, hide it, put it in a closet behind the, you know, put it away and then be the good Christian boy I needed to be in church. It was a God that I served behind the doors. And something that really, the thing that, that, broke it in my life. This is one of those like moments where like you kind of plant a flagpole as far as like this is where God did something in my life. Was I was sitting in someone's basement. I was probably 21, 22 years old, living in their basement. And it was like the Lord was sitting in the room with me, but he says, if you continue down this path, 
your boys are going to suffer for it. And I wasn't married. I was a single guy. And I had no idea that one day I would have two sons. But it was in that moment he showed me, he's like, if you do this, you will pass it to your children. And that was the one thing I needed to hear that said, this is beyond me. This is bigger than me. It's, I don't want this anymore. It was the perspective I needed to pass it on. And it was one of those moments where I just remember where God intervened in a powerful way in my life. We value and serve similar ideals as our parents. We value worldviews. We value ideals, all of it. And those can be little G-gods. Those can be the things that we serve. Those can be the things that we're devoted to. Those can be the things that we see our world through. For some of us today, it's time to let those go. It's time to identify those, put those down, and look the other direction. Those things pass down to us. It's time to stop carrying some of that stuff that was, pulled, that was carried to us pushed forward to us. And it's time to choose that those things are going to end with us. It's time to make that decision to say, hey, I got a lot of stuff that was passed down to me, but I don't want to bring that into the next generation. I don't want my grandkids to to have to be exposed to these things. I'm going to choose a life that serves the Lord. That will be what I carry down to my children and grandchildren. Because just like Israel, these lowercase gods are going to hold us back. They're going to hinder us. They're going to destroy us. That's what they do is they bring destruction. So how do we choose to let go of our generational gods? How do we let go of our generational gods? Well, the first step is to choose the truth and reject the lies. Do you choose the truth or do you reject the lies? So when you see the word truth in the Bible, there's another word I want you to think about. I want you to think of reality, right? What is real? Because so often these these false gods, these perceptions of how we view our societies, our values, our beliefs, things that are in our bones a lot of times, are not a reality. I think some of the most broken people are seeing the world through a false sense of reality. It's not true. It's not the truth of what's going on. In fact, a lot of the things that we've carried with us are because things like our parents or grandparents have said to us that has formed in us a false reality. Let me, think, let me just think about that. What are the things that have been said to you or about you that have changed the way you perceive yourself and created a reality that isn't true? So much damage to us has been done because past, there's things that have been passed down which are lies and falsehoods. I think of addiction, my, my own life. Those things that I thought would satisfy me. Addiction is a, a false sense of satisfaction. I kept searching and looking for something that would bring to me some kind of a fulfillment of satisfaction in the addictions. And it left me more broken, more devastated, more empty and less satisfied than anything else. Something I did not want to pass on to my children. We think of even the the highlight in value of money, that it would somehow bring security. Before I was in ministry, I had a fantastic job, made a lot of money. But what I realized is that when I got to that place where I felt, boy, I should feel so secure in this, I actually felt more vulnerable and more fragile. Because all my life... 
through college, everything, it was always designed, I need to make money so I, have, I can be comfortable, I can have security, this is what life is about. But when I realized, when I, when I got to that place where I had what the, what the culture has said, this is what security looks like, you have the money, you have the house, you have all the things, I knew those could be taken away in a snap. It felt so much more less secure to the point where I was like, I better go into ministry. That's a joke, by the way. We look at these things and we try to raise them up. We serve them. We look to them as satisfactions. We look at them as security. We look at them as as things that will fill the hole. That's exactly what Israel is doing here. These are things that they grew up in, things their fathers worshipped, things that, they want, that their fathers cherished, and they're passing it down. And Joshua says, enough, you've seen the things God has done. Choose today which ones you're going to serve. Choose the ones that you're going to pass on rather than choosing the falseness, the, unreal, the, the falsehoods, the false realities and bringing those forward into the next generation. Joshua's command is to serve the Lord in sincerity and truth. Again, sincerity, lacking hypocrisy, authenticity. Right? Unlike me, who was, who was, who had this false God hidden away from people, Joshua's like, serve them with a full-out authenticity with no hypocrisy. You know, I'm a millennial, right? And so how many millennials do we have in here? Yeah, that's about right, one. One, two, three, yeah, hmm. That makes sense, because I think a lot of what happened is we saw a lot of hypocrisy in the church. You know, and, and as millennials, we said, we're too good for that. No, just kidding. It was really a, a painful experience for many of us. It was really difficult to, to see one thing and hear another. We maybe saw our parents in church, and then we saw them at home. And I think we have a whole generation of that. Sincerity and truth, sincerity, the authentic. If someone took a magnifying glass to your life and said, is this someone who looks like they carry the Lord with them everywhere they go? Or is this someone who carries the falseness and the, the, the false realities of this world wherever they go? Choose this day which ones you will serve. Choose this way which ones you will carry, is Joshua's call here. The Lord wanted them to serve because it was in him alone that they could see the reality of who they were in their mission. When we decide, hey, those things that were said about me or to me by the generations before me, I'm going to reject those because I see who God sees me to be. I see the love of the Lord poured out and I know how much he loves me, even though I didn't get the love from my parents or my grandparents before me. Do we have the ability to see and discern that there's a reality and there's a falsehood in our life by the way people are treated? It's incredibly difficult to serve the Lord when we are still holding on to those things of the past that are passed down to us. And it's not what the Lord has for us. And that's exactly what Joshua is saying here. He has a people who he loves and are a possession of his, yet they are hindered and weighed down by those things that were passed down to them. Even though he's revealed himself in powerful ways, ways that are undeniable, they're still holding on to the things passed down to them. These little case, lowercase g gods passed down to us often look like insecurities. How we view ourselves. 
That can be a lowercase God because of what was passed to us by the people before us, by things that have said to us about us, created insecurities where we're walking out in a way that doesn't reflect God's real heart for us. Addictions, like I said before, how we thought we would be satisfied. The lies that that we're not good enough, the value there. Boy, if we could even just comprehend 1% of God's value for us, of what his, how much he loves his people, how much he loves his creation. When you read about the Psalms, and it, I love the Psalm, I, I can't recite it right off the top of my head, but it's all about God looking up into the heavens and saying, you count the stars in the sky. He says, that pales in comparison to the love I have for you. Imagine that. That's a value that is very high. One that a lot of us never got passed down to us. That God just doesn't, Love me is one that gets passed down a lot too. I know a lot of people who are afraid to get close to the Lord, to get close to the Lord's people because they're afraid they'll get rejected by him. Because they've been rejected by those people before us. And now they have a hard time seeing God for someone who will bring them in right where they're at, despite all of the hardships, the brokenness, that God would actually meet them where they are the worthiness of humanity and that the Lord would come and die for it. I mean, I like to think I would die for my wife, but I hope I'm never in a situation where I have to make that decision. But God actually did it. Like he put his money where his mouth was and said, hey, I love these people so much that I will die, not with a quick and easy death, but one of the most painful, excruciating deaths as if I was a slave, as if I was a rebel and a criminal. That's a love that none of us will really see in our lives beyond the cross, beyond what Jesus has done. In serving the Lord, we toss these lies, we reject the things that were taught about us, to us, or insecurities, and we go, no, it's not who I am. That's not what God says about me. I am putting those down, and I am taking up, and I am serving the Lord. Therefore, I find my meaning in him. I find my identity in him. I find everything of value and of worth in what he says I am now. And that's what I'm carrying forward. That's what I'm passing on to my kids. That's what I'm passing on to my grandkids. The generational brokenness and pain of the lies of the false gods ends when you make the choice and say, no longer do I carry that. But I am pushing forward a different legacy, a different choice. In the, embodiment, in the embodiment of Jesus, God's love was displayed in authenticity and in truth and in reality. That he was a, a person full of authenticity, full of sincerity. That when he said something, he meant it. When he did something, he did it. And it's a display of love and compassion and empathy something that we all are looking for, something that we're all needing, something that we're all begging for in this world, and sometimes we find it in false gods. We try to find it in false gods, I should say. Look what 1 John 4, 9-10 through 10 says about the love of God. God's love was revealed among us in this way. This is how you know God loves you. God sent his one and only Son into the world so that we might live through him. Because those things that bring falsehoods, Gods, the lowercase g's in the world, they will bring death, destruction, brokenness when we put 
on those. But he says, look at the God's love is that when you see what Jesus has done, we might live through him. That's what God wants. He wants us to thrive in life through him. Because that means everything could fall apart in this world and we still are thriving. That means you could lose everything in this world and see him as I have him and him alone and I'm thriving. We try to measure thriving by our values and things of the world, but it's really found only in him is what it means to live and live well. In verse 10, love consists in this, not that we loved God, but that he loved us. Because so many of us are approaching God with fear, hesitancy, walls are up, things like that. We talked about some of that during this sermon series. But he was like, I'm going to break through that with the love I have for you. I'm going to send my son because I love you. And I am going to take the punishment of sin for you. Something you could never bear on your own. So if you're wrestling with this idea of can I be found loved, the proof of it is right here in the cross and resurrection of Jesus. Those are the things that we want to pass down to our kids. Those are the things we want to pass down to our grandkids and beyond that, that the ripple effect of the choices you make now, they really do resonate in the history books. That if you think about yourself right now sitting in this seat, there was somebody who said something and made a choice for you to be here. Somebody in your lineage said something, and maybe it's you. Maybe you're the first person to say, enough is enough of this. It's time to put down the things of false gods and choose to serve the Lord. Let the reality of this love change you, transform you, break through the brokenness, and something you carry with you every day. Because this choice doesn't rest on what happened to generations before you. This choice doesn't rest on the things that happened to you before. This is the reality of the choice we have every day. Do you choose to embrace, to carry the Lord with you, to serve with him? The choice is to see it, to choose it, to now see yourself through it. Can you do that? Rather than seeing yourself through the eyes and lens of those who came before us and what they said about you, Do you see yourself through the lens of who God says about you? What he cares for? What he thinks of you? Who he wants you to be? Let it end with you. Let it end with you. And the last step here is to choose care. Choose care. Choose to find care in community. Reject the individualism of our culture. Because individualism is highly praised. Individualism is highly praised, and it's something that we definitely will pass down to each and every, every person that we go up to with our individuality, this idea of, of white-knuckling our way by the power of I. I can do it. I will do it. I don't need anybody else. How do you mean, you know, that's not healthy? That is not how God created this to be. I don't know the Bible verse where it says, hey, I can do it. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. But it's really the highlight here is always within community. Jesus was all about community. Paul and writing the apostles and the apostles, they all knew the importance of community. To break this, we must choose to allow people 
to show up for us. We must allow people to show up for us. We must allow people to help us. And we must choose to be authentic and sincere when life is hard. Because this wasn't always passed down to us. Authenticity and sincerity wasn't a value necessarily passed down to us. To be able to go to somebody and say, I'm really having a hard time. I really need prayer. I don't know what the right answer is. I don't know where to go. I need people. I need godly people. The African proverb that I I love so much, it goes, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. I mean, and that's, that is encapsulated my Christian walk so well is when I was like, it's me and the Lord, baby. I can maybe run two years and then I'm gone. But when I walk in community, when I'm walking within community, when I'm being challenged and I'm being accountable, when I'm with people who seek truth and live authentically, this machine will go and go and go for Christ for years and generations to go. God's people are exactly that, a people. We are a collective group built together for mission and identity. It's just why, you know, one of the main words you hear about church in, in the New Testament for sure is the word Adelphoi. Adelphoi. The, the other word for church is ecclesia. That means more of a meeting area. But Adelphoi is the most common word. It just means brothers and sisters in Christ. A family of people coming together, living life together in a space where they cherish truth, realities, authenticity and sincerity of devotion to the Lord. We're not going to get it right every time. We're still going to deal with hypocrisy. We're still going to deal with all the things that we have to deal with. But I tell you, a safe environment like this of a people who cherishes truth and serves the Lord, not pushing forward the things of the, thing, the bad things that were poured down to us, that's a group that will do a lot of good in this world. That's a, a, a world the kingdom of God will, will pour out into. You know, my goal as as a pastor is, my main goal really here is, and how I think about this and how I pray about it and work with the staff here is to create a space of sincerity and a place that pursues truth. That is exactly what we try to do here. Not the twisting of truth, not the anything like that. We are living in the reality of God's love. And I feel like I'm the engine that tries to create that space because it is how Jesus lived. Where hypocrisy lies, thrive, we are a place that will make them die. That we will not be a place where those things thrive. I've been in in environments before where hypocrisy and lies thrive. Never again. It needs to be a place where those things go to die. Which is why we're going to start a new series next Sunday um, on, on Matthew. But before that, tomorrow starts... 28 days of Matthew's devotional. Because what I want to see happen and, and really what I think God is, is going to speak to us a lot in is how a family that, that reads together grows together. So for one chapter a day, for 28 days, who can commit to doing that? Who can read one chapter of the Bible a day? Good. A few of us. Awesome. For 28 days, we're going to be in the Bible together for the Gospel of Matthew. And then our sermons are going to be teaching on the last week's reading. And on social media, we're going to have pastors and leaders every day post their devotional thoughts on those 28 days. So if you're not liking us on Facebook, Instagram, those are going to be where those are posted. So if you want to follow along, but I'm really excited to hear how God speaks to you. 
how God speaks to you, how he transforms you, how when you're contemplating the things that were passed down to you, that you can see the truth of what God has said to you in this book and how you can see the realities you need to embrace and the falsehoods you need to drop about things that were passed down to you. So this starts tomorrow. And I can't wait to see what God does in all of your lives as you wrestle and as you learn and embrace the truths of what God has for you. Amen? Amen. All right, let's pray together. Father, thank you for this group, this group of people who want to serve you. Lord, I believe that. I believe they're here because they want to carry you on. And so, Lord, I just pray that as we, we wrestle with the things that have been passed down to us, as we sit down, as we think about this throughout the week and maybe the 28 days, Lord, that you will reveal the areas in our lives that are not real, that are things that have been passed down to us that are hindrances to us, that are false gods. Or there are things that are probably in our life we have no idea were passed down to us that are hindering us. And so I pray that you illuminate those areas. Lord, that you show us how we can combat those and put them down by the power of the truth, by the power of the reality of who you are and what you have said to us about us and who we are in you, by the power of your love, a love that consumes us and transforms us and renews us. Lord, I pray after these 28 days that we have stories of people who are able to to break through some of these old patterns, that they chose to reject the lies and that they can embrace this beautiful life of serving you and passing that forward for the generations to come because that's what it means to be a human. It's what it means to live in this world is to be in relationship with you, to carry you with us, to be with you every moment of every day is what it looks like to be here. Help us to embrace that reality. Help us to not find these securities and the falsehoods, but to see you for who you are in your reality. Thank you again, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for checking out this message from Real Life. You can find out more about us by going to rlcpullman.com or by following us on Facebook or YouTube. Until next time, have a great week.